everyone. Welcome to New Point Community Church. Thanks for joining our podcast today. We pray that this series and this message inspires you to grow your faith and builds your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Good morning, New Point. Hey, have I told you lately that I love you? I really do. My heart is full today. And I love you. More importantly, as you know, God loves you and he's for you. He knows what you're going through. He knows all your feelings, knows all your disappointments. He knows our highs. He knows our lows. And he loves you. He loves me. We serve a great God. I came back from the Middle East, and I probably need to tell you more of this stuff than I do, so I apologize. But I came back from the Middle East, spent about two weeks there with Blake Wood, and God's doing incredible stuff in the Middle East. Unbelievable. People seeing visions, people coming to Christ in incredible, unbelievable ways. And I, I, I was at a church plant that they had just planted probably 90 days before I got there, and it was a big cross lit up, and it was over a major city in the Middle East, and I was there meeting with the, the pastor and the core group there, and I just started to weep, and I told them, I said, you know, about 35 years ago, a 24-year-old came to Sugar Creek single pastoring a little church in a little village of about 2,000 people. And, you know, whenever you do that, you know, one of the things that people want to ask is, so what's your vision? What's your vision? What's your vision? Where are we going? What do you think? And I got that question. And I said, I want to change the world. The eyes would roll. The pat on the head would come. That's nice. You know, you're young, you're ambitious, you're naive. And I wanted to say, but you don't know my God then. Because my God's able to do exceedingly abundantly far beyond what we could ever hope or even think of or dream. And I said, here I am sitting in a major city in the Middle East, meeting with a group of people, hearing stories about going to the Syrian border and ministering to refugees. Never heard about Jesus. And have a church here that's, got a big old cross that's shining over this major city in the Middle East and Jesus is being proclaimed. And I just thought, God, you're incredible, man. You're incredible. And so whatever you're dreaming about, whatever you have visions about, if it's of God, don't give up on it. How do you know if it's of God? You don't have all the answers. A good idea is you know how everything's going to play out. A God idea is all you do is you have a passion in your heart to see something come about, not for your honor, not for your kingdom, not for your glory, but his. And when you do that, you know what? God will show up in incredible, unbelievable ways. And this God that you have never heard verbally, probably, I haven't anyways, and you've never seen probably, I haven't, will become very, very deep and personal and real to you. And all the shackles of religion will fall off. 
it'll fall off because this God who created you and I in our mother's womb becomes very, very deep, very, very personal. And you will know it inside of you. He'll give you a testimony that just floods your heart. And so whatever God's speaking to you about, say yes, even if you don't have all the answers. And he'll take you on an adventure. And by the way, we're all created for adventure. You know that, right? He'll take you on an adventure that you will never, ever, ever, ever regret. Will it be scary? At times. Will it be demanding? At times. Will it cost you something? Absolutely. Will it be worth it? Without a doubt. And you'll live life and you'll live it to the fullest. Hey, you know what? That's all free. All right? I got something else I want to talk to you about, but I just wanted to share that because somebody here needs to hear that. And maybe you're tired and you've been chasing something and you're thinking, is it ever going to come about? What I would say is don't grow weary in doing what is good for at the proper time, God will bring a harvest if you don't quit, if you don't throw in the towel, if you don't give up. What he's doing is he's, he's eliminating all of your dependencies so that all you have is him. And when all you have is him, you're in a good spot and he's going to show up. We're in this series called Life and Death. And here's what we're learning. We're learning that we're created in the image of God and that we have the ability like God to speak words and to speak things into existence. And God spoke life and he spoke light into a formless world, universe, and it came to be. And now he's given you and I the ability to speak life into situations that are dead. He's given you and I the ability to speak light into the darkness of this world that we live. And it's a great, great privilege, but it's also a great responsibility because there is life and death in the tongue. And every conversation that you and I have, whether it's with our spouse, whether it's with our kids, whether it's with our family, whether it's with our coworkers, we have the opportunity to speak life. Think of that. Or light. Don't you know those people that when they show up in a room, the whole temperature changes? They're people who speak life. They're people who speak light into that situation. And so if you missed last week, I want to encourage you to listen to it because we're in this series called Life and Death. And I trust that you won't miss a one of these. There's a question that was asked a couple of years ago of a group of people, and they said, what is the best word that describes a Christian? What is the best word that describes a Christian? Unfortunately, they didn't say loving. They didn't say compassionate. They didn't say humble. They didn't say people of character. They gave the word judgmental. And this means that those of us who claim to know Christ are really not doing a good job of representing the one who we say we follow. And we've all been there, right? Matter of fact, some of you have been hesitant to even go to church because you're saying those are judgmental people. And yet we know John 3, 16, or you're familiar with it, and it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not what? Should not perish, but have eternal life. But most of us don't know verse 17. 
For he did not send his son into the world to judge, to condemn, but that through him, the world might be what? Saved. Wow. God didn't come to to judge you and me. Isn't that good news? He came to save you and me. And if I'm truly following Jesus Christ, if I'm not religious, but I'm truly a Christ follower, then I have to follow his life mission. And his life mission was to speak life and light into every situation. His life mission was to invite people into a relationship with him, to experience salvation. And that's why our challenge is 25,000 by 2025. And what I've challenged each and every one of us to do is to be able to, to have five people by 2025 that we've been investing in, that we've been loving, that we've been caring for, that we've been building a relationship with and inspire them to follow Jesus. But if we're going to be able to do that, your five, my five, if we're gonna do that successfully, then we have to learn this truth from Jesus about judging. Because if you and I have a tendency, which we do, and I want you to know I'm already guilty, okay? Of judging people, sizing people up, deciding whether I'm going to write them off or not, we'll never be able to influence people. I think that's one of the reasons why we have a tendency to say that the hardest people to win to Christ is our family. Because they sense our judgmentalism. They they sense that we judge them. And and if you're judging somebody, you lose influence with them. The key is acceptance. And there's a big difference between acceptance and approval. I don't have time to go there, but you just need to realize that. So why do you think we are so judgmental, especially religious people, okay? And and that includes all religion, Muslims, Mormons, you know, Jehovah Witness, if, if you got any religion in you, what happens is we have a tendency to be judgmental. Why is that? Because religious people focus on performance. We size people up. We measure people. We have our checklist. We have our ruler, right? And so we measure up people and we decide whether we're going to write them off or not. And yet God's word would say something completely different to you and me. James, the half-brother of Jesus, speaks about this. Here's what he writes. He says, brothers and sisters, never say bad things about each other. Guilty? Do I get an amen, anybody? Anytime you speak against fellow believers or you judge judge and badmouth them, you judge and condemn God's law. He goes on. And when you judge God's law, you aren't keeping it yourself. Wow, ever been guilty of that? Instead, you set yourself up as the judge. Remember, God is the only true lawgiver and judge. He alone, he alone has the authority to save or destroy. So then, who are you? And what gives you the right to pass judgment on others? Wow. You just need to know that, that I'm already under conviction because I've judged people. I've judged my wife. I've judged my kids. I've judged you. It's easy to do, isn't it? And why do we do it? Why, why do we fall into it? Why is it so easy for us to, to be judgmental people? Let me give you a couple of reasons why, okay? Because th- this is so, so powerful. Here, here's the first reason I believe, and it's this. 
we judge because we're guilty. We feel guilty, okay? And we want to excuse our failures. And, and so what happens is when I feel guilty, I'm looking around to point somebody else out. So I'll take the reflection or the, the attention off of me. Adam did this. When Adam sinned in the garden, what he did is he excused his own behavior and accused his wife. Fellas, you've ever done that? Have you ever excused your behavior and accused your wife? Sure you have. We make excuses for our behavior and we accuse other people of something worse. Paul talks about this. He says it like this. He says, so when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on others, do you think that by pointing your finger at them, you'll distract God from seeing all of your misdoings and keep him from judging you? We do this at work, don't we? We do this in our family. You know, we do something wrong. We, well, what about them? What, what, what about my sister? What about my brother? What, what, you're letting them get away with it, so why are you talking to me about it? And when we're judging someone, we can basically count on the fact that we're hiding something. We're, we're, we're trying to keep people at arm's length because we want them to focus on that over there and not this right here. And so we're trying to distract by taking the attention of where we feel guilty, where we feel guilty. And so we judge easily because of guilt. Guilt. Here's a second reason why that we judge, not only because of guilt, but also because of pride. We want to feel superior to others, right? I mean, there's a, there's a self-righteousness if we're not careful about all of us, because when I judge somebody, I feel better about myself. Thank God I'm not like them. Yeah, I got my issues, but what about them? And, and there's probably nothing worse uh, uh, than this right here. And that is self-righteousness. And I've been there. Self-righteousness is, is arrogant. It's being ignorant. It's being full of yourself. Self-righteous people compare themselves to other people. And what happens is when we compare ourselves to other people, what we do is we put God on a silencer. You ever put your phone on a silencer? I don't want to talk to anybody. And what happens is when we judge people, we put God on the silencer because we don't want to hear from him. And what we do is, is, is we say things like this, I can't believe they do that. I would never do anything like that. What is wrong with them? And self-righteous people, it's easy for us to judge other people while we ignore God. And what we do is, is we dumb down God's holiness and we raise our righteousness. And yet the fact of the matter is we're all guilty. That's why it's prideful. That's why it's arrogant. And it makes us more arrogant. It makes us more stubborn. It makes us more critical. And self-righteous people lack self-awareness. And, and when we find ourselves there, it's basically because we feel a little bit insecure. And that was the case with Job's friends. Here's what is, is written in Job 19.5. You are trying to make yourself look better than me by using my disgrace as an argument against me. Ever been there? Absolutely. We've all been there. And, and, and this is something that, that we all have to deal with. We have to be honest enough. 
And, and, and so why shouldn't I judge people then? Because when I do, I'm, I'm dealing with my guilt or I'm, I'm living in my pride. Why, why should I not judge other people? God condemns it, okay? And, and, and we, should, we should acknowledge it and we should do everything in our power and our ability not to go there. Well, we know that guilt and pride leads us there, but why shouldn't we? Let me give you some reasons this morning, okay? Here's the first one. I don't know all the facts. Have you been there? Oh my, I have. I've made a judgment call without knowing all the facts. Something has frustrated me and, and, and I think, you know, I've done this with my kids and I thought I knew everything and I didn't know everything. And we have a tendency to do it with one another. And what happens is I'm not looking at how far you have come. I'm looking at how far you have to go. You ever been there? You know, maybe that person, may, maybe, may, maybe they have come a long, long ways, but you're not looking at how far they have come. You're looking at how far they have to go because where they need to go is irritating to you. It's holding you back. And so you don't know all the facts. You don't know the whole story. As my friend says, you have sound bites, all right? And those sound bites in, uh, infect us. And, and so we can make judgments without knowing all the facts. Proverbs says it like this. It's, a shameful, it's, it's shameful and stupid to decide before knowing all the facts. Can I get an amen? So you want to get all the facts. You got to know the story. You got to know the whole story. Proverbs 18, 17 says it like this. The person who tells one side of the story seems what, right? Until someone else comes along and begins to ask questions. Wow. Have you ever had that experience? You know, somebody comes and they're so believing and you're thinking, I can't believe they do that. I, I can't believe they're that mean. I can't believe they're whatever, 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 whatever. And then what happens is you bring the other person in and you start asking questions and, oh, I didn't realize that. I didn't know that. Didn't have that fact. Didn't have that truth. That's why Jesus tells us, he says this. He says, stop judging by mere appearance. Why? Because you don't know everything. I don't know everything. We look on the outward, but only God looks on the heart. So I don't know all the facts. Here's another reason why I shouldn't judge. I don't know their motive. I don't know their motive. Listen, you never truly ultimately know someone's motive. If we're honest, we struggle with our own motives, right? Sometimes I, I have a hard time knowing why I do what I do. So if, if I struggle with that, and if you struggle with that, which I'm pretty sure that you do, okay, what would make you think that you know somebody else's motives? You don't. That's why it's prideful. That's why it's arrogant. And we don't. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and he says it like this, no one can really know what anyone else is thinking or what he is really like except that person himself. And that's a struggle there. So I don't know their motives. Paul goes on to say this. He says, therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. And the Lord is truth, okay? The Lord is truth. He goes on to say this. He will bring light to what is hidden in darkness because he's light, okay? And will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. I remember when I shared with a couple of people my dream, my vision, and one of the people who were leading me at that time, you know what they said? They looked right across, man, you got a big ego, don't you? 
didn't know my heart. Making a judgment call. Y'all okay? See, you, you don't. Give God time. God says, I'll reveal it. My mom always had a saying and she'd share it with us kids all the time. She would always say, truth and time don't run hand in hand. Give it a little time, Dwight. It'll come to the surface. Quit judging. And, and the reason why is because I don't know people's motives. My motives will come forth. Your motives will come forth. Just give it some time. How about this one right here? I will be judged by the standard I use. This is a real, real difficult one, okay? So what he is saying is, is and what we'll learn here is this, is, is I will be judged by the same standard that I use in judging other people. That's why Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount says it like this. He says, do not judge. Wow. We all know that verse, don't we? Uh, we, we know that. You didn't even know it was in the Bible. You just knew somebody important said that. And so you probably said to somebody sometime, hey, don't judge me. And what do we mean by that? Don't criticize me. Don't compare me to anyone. Okay, don't confront me about anything that I'm doing, my behavior. Okay, that's basically what we mean, right? Just back off. Don't judge me. The Bible says that. But Jesus goes on. He says, do not judge or you too will be judged. Would you say that with me? Let's all say that together. Do not judge or you too will be judged. I think we can do better. Let's all say that, okay? I, I, I know this is, is bothersome, okay? But, but let's all have a participation in this, all right? Do not judge or you too will be judged. Wow. Jesus is saying to you and me, hey, Mason, it's going to come back to you. It's going to come back on you. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, the same the same standard that you use is the same standard that's going to be used against you. And he clears it up when he goes on and he says this. He says, do not judge or you too will be judged for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged and you will be, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Wow. So convicting. So when somebody judges you, you might want to say, be careful. Be careful because the same measure, same standard that you use against me is going to come back to you. And Jesus is saying, judge others the way that you want them to judge you. So this raises a very interesting question. How do you want people to judge you? How do I want people to judge me? I'll go first. Okay, I want you to know my whole story. And by the way, really, I don't want you to judge me. But if you're going to judge me, I want you to know my whole story. I want you to know what happened to me when I was seven years old. I, I want you to know what kind of family I grew up in. I want you to know that I was abused. I experienced trauma. My mom and dad were divorced. Um, my dad was an alcoholic. Whatever it is, right? Isn't that what we want? 
If you're going to judge me, know all the facts. Take the whole story in. Let me give you where I came from, what I've experienced, the trauma that I've had in my life, the abuse that I've experienced in my life. I want you to, to know all my insecurities. I want you to take in account everything that has happened to me. I want you to take in account my whole history. Isn't that how you want to be judged? That's how I want to be judged. I, I, I want you to judge me that way. I don't want you to just take one behavior that you saw me do or one word that you heard me speak or one segment of my life. I'd like for you to take everything. Why? Because that's all impacted me. That's all in, affected me. And so Jesus continues and Here's what he says. He, he says, why do you look at the speck <coughs> of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Wow. He says, why do you look at that speck in your brother's eye, Dwight, when you have a plank? And, and he's really using humor here, okay? He's like, why are you looking at that speck in your brother's eye when you have a telephone pole coming out of your own eye? Why? Because I'd rather focus on them than me. I'd rather deal with their issue than my issue. That's why. Right? And, and, and so here's what he says. We're back here to the fact that I'd rather focus on you than me because it distracts me from dealing with my issues. It distracts me from, from, from realizing my own issues and my own failures and my own insecurities and my own hurts. And, or maybe you would say, you know what, Jesus, I really didn't even know I had a plank in my eye. Which leads us to this, okay? I have blind spots, right? You got blind spots, I have blind spots. You say, Dwight, what is a blind spot? A blind spot is something that you're not aware of. Okay, you got them, I got them, okay? We all have blind spots. Other people can see them, but I can't. I can't. And, and so Jesus continues and, 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 and he says, hey, you know what? Take the plank out of your eye before you go for the sawdust in somebody else's eye. Here's, here's what he says. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? Okay. This is judge not. How are you going to point out what's going on in someone else's life when you have something going on in your life? That's what he's saying. And then he says these words that just hit us right in the heart. He says, you hypocrite. You hypocrite, Mason. What is a hypocrite in Jesus's mind? A hypocrite in Jesus's mind is when somebody is more fixated on someone else's faults than they are their own. It's when somebody is more interested and preoccupied with fixing someone else than dealing with their own issues. It's when people see something that is, is wrong with other people, but never acknowledge the wrong in their own life. And this is hard. This is tough. This is strong teaching. And what he's saying is, you know what? You're right, Dwight. There, there is a speck in your brother's eye, but there's a log coming out of your own eye. You have your own issues. And what he says is, 
First, you need to deal with your own issues. You, you need to make sure that, that, that you are dealing with those issues in your own life that maybe nobody else knows about, or maybe they do. Jesus continues and he says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Wow. So let me help you with this. What, what he is saying is this. He says, Dwight, if you'll deal with the plank in your own eye, if, if, you, will, if you will look at yourself, okay, and you will deal with, with your issues, then you know what? And your shortcomings, then it will put you in a position of where you will be better able to help that other person in your life, your spouse, your kids. See, listen to me, dad. Maybe the reason why your kids won't listen to you is because you're looking at the speck in their eye and you're not dealing with the plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. Right? You ever done that? You're asking kids you're you're you know I, I had a friend I had a friend who a good guy. He he uh he told me he says I can't believe my daughter's smoking. It really aggravates me. And I want to say, you hypocrite. You're, you're asking her to do something that you yourself are not doing. And, and it's very easy for us, right? Because we want to focus, we want to get fixed on somebody else other than ourselves. And so when I deal with my blind spot, okay, then what happens is I'm letting other people know, hey, you can speak to me about my issues too. Like one of the things that I've told the staff, and they know this, they roll their eyes every time I say this, but I say, hey, I'm opinionated, sometimes too strongly. I can be defensive. I can talk too much. And see, what I want them to know is these are no longer blind spots in my life. I know that I got issues with these. These are weaknesses in my life. And so if they're weaknesses in my life, now I'm giving you permission. If I get defensive, you can call me out. If I get too strong on my opinions, you can call me out. If I'm talking too much in a meeting, you can call me out. And so what happens is Jesus is saying, Hey, first deal with the plank in your own eye. <clears throat> and then what happens is you can deal with the speck in the other person's eye because you'll be able to see it, what, more clearly. Why? Because you'll be humbled. Because you yourself know that you have issues. You yourself know that you're broken. And this is about getting to the place of where we can appropriately approach someone else, whether it's our spouse, whether it's our kids, whether it's our mom and dad, whether it's a coworker, whether it's a friend. It's about getting to a place of where we can speak into their lives. And Jesus commands us to address it. Because the fact of the matter is, there is a speck in their eye. There is something going on in their life. Are you all okay? It's like, it's not that they don't have any issues. Oh, they got issues, okay? They got some sawdust in their eye. Jesus is just saying, hey, Dwight, if you're gonna get this right, you need to deal with yourself first because if you'll deal with yourself first, then the approach that you will use in dealing with other people will dramatically change. And it won't come across as judgmentalism. It'll come across that you care, that you wanna speak life into a situation that might be experiencing death, that you're wanting to speak light into a situation that maybe darkness is there. 
And so Jesus is not saying that this is judgmentalism. He's saying, no, this is obedience. But Dwight, you got to deal with your first, yourself. You got to deal with your plank first. Then you can go to that other person. Y'all okay? See, what, what we don't want is this. Guilty. I saw you. Guilty. Patty, you're guilt. You're guilty. I got you. Quit doing that. Caleb, Jonathan, Sarah, Nate, guilty, 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 guilty. And what happens is they see me as a what? They see me as a judge. They don't see me as a friend who cares about them, who loves them, who wants the best for them. And so Jesus says, listen, if you really care about somebody, you will speak into their life. Because we all need that. Because there's times that I'm moving towards death. There's times that I'm moving towards darkness. And I need somebody who loves me enough, who's close enough to me, who will come and speak life to me. And light, but not as a judge. Not out of their own guilt. Not out of their own pride. But out of love. And what happens is when I deal with my guilt and I deal with my pride, what it does is, is it paves the way for self-awareness. That I, too, am a broken person. That I, too, also have issues. That I, too, also struggle. And Jesus does not equate not judging to caring. He said, no, if, if, if you really care for somebody, you're going to speak into their life. You're going to speak words of life. You're going to speak words of light to them. And so how do we get there? Well, we have to admit that we have a plank in our own eye. <laughs> hey, I've, I've had people speak life and light to me, and I'm thankful for it. Did it hurt? Sure it did. Truth always does. Faithful are the wounds of a, of a friend. But I needed it. And I, and I knew when they were speaking it to me that they loved me, that they cared for me. They weren't coming across arrogant or prideful. They were saying, Dwight, I, I want to help you. If you keep going down this path, it's going to mean death for you. If you keep walking this way, you're going to continue to walk in darkness and not light. And they let me know that, hey, you know what? I'm not perfect either. And so when Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged, he has more to say than that. <laughs> he says, first, take the plank out of your own eye. Then you'll see clearly what's going on in somebody else's life because you approach it in a humble humble, humble way. One that will help them. One that ultimately will bless them. You see, when we speak into somebody's life, how do we know if we're judging or if we're helping? 
when we ask a simple question, is this for my benefit or is it for their benefit? If it's truly for their benefit, it'll be helpful. It'll come across that way. If it's that you're aggravated and you're frustrated and you're mad about something, it'll come across this way. And it'll do more harm than good. And so what I want for me and what I pray for you and I pray it for me is what the psalmist said. Here's what the psalmist said. May the words of my mouth, wow, life and death, and the meditation of my heart, my thoughts about you, about my spouse, about my kids, be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Wow. Here's the good news. God can do that for us. Isn't that good? God can do that for me. God can do that for you. But it takes you and me surrendering and being honest with him and being honest with one another. And when we do that, what happens is we, we begin to develop healthy relationships, ones that truly care about one another, ones that are willing to speak life and light into our places of death and darkness. And we can grow, we can mature, and we can become that best version of who God created you and me to be. For you today, maybe the, the first place that you need to start is with Jesus. He doesn't want to be your judge. He wants to be your savior. And so you can invite him as your savior and pray a simple yet life-transforming prayer. Just say, Jesus, as much as I know and as much as I understand, I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I don't want you to be my judge. I want you to be my savior and save me from myself. Fill me with your spirit, your love, your joy, your peace, your kindness. And if you'll do that, what happens is he will answer that request and you'll begin on a relationship with him that'll be incredible. One that you'll need to nurture, one that you'll need to develop. We wanna help you to do that by taking next steps. And so let us know if you have done that today. For others of us, we've done that, but we need to come back and we need to say, Lord, help me to deal with the plank in my own eye before I talk to my wife, before I talk to my husband, before I talk to my kids before I talk, be, talk to these people who don't know God, because I don't want them to see me as their judge. I want them to see me as their friend, one who loves them. And so, Father, we thank you today for who you are. We thank you for your work in our life. We thank you that you're patient, you're kind, you're forgiving, you're long-suffering with this. Man, do I need it. And God, forgive me where I've judged wrongly. I've judged someone's motive or someone's action without even knowing the whole story. God, help me to, to be more concerned about me than others so that when I have those opportunities, I'll be gentle, I'll be humble, I'll be kind, and I'll be able to speak life and light to them.
And we pray all of this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to know more about us, please visit our website at newpoint.org. There you'll find past messages, parent resources, times and locations to all of our physical campuses, or you could just download our app at newpoint.org app. There you can find all those same resources just in a mobile version. We want to say thank you again for joining us and we'll see you next time.